This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsey. Starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to the Ball Talk Pod with Evan Kinsey. Today I am joined by former Iowa State Cyclone and Chicago Bull Marcus Pfizer. Marcus, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Evan. So let's start out with your decision to go to Iowa State. You were a McDonald's All-American in high school, so there were several teams who obviously wanted you to play for them. But you chose Iowa State, a school that had never had a McDonald's All-American play for them, and you were still the only McDonald's All-American to ever play there. Why did you choose Iowa State over some of the other schools that recruited you? Um, fair point blank, Tim Floyd. You know, um, my freshman year in high school, I moved from Detroit to Louisiana, and I finished high school in Louisiana, and um, my biological mother and father didn't move. I moved in with uh, my older brother, and so I had to sit out my freshman year in high school. And um, my guardian parents, who I still, you know, consider my parents in Louisiana now, they were my mom's uh, first cousins, and um, that's who I, you know, live with. And uh, she worked at a nursing home, and as a freshman in high school, taking her lunch, uh, Beverly Floyd, Tim Floyd's wife, uh, mother, was um, one of the patients there. And, you know, I was just a tall kid. I wasn't playing basketball at the time, and uh, she had a media guide, and she handed me a media guide. And, you know, I always had inventions of playing college basketball and everything. And I just started studying up on Iowa State, looking and falling in love. Started following them. Um, Digital Willoughby, uh, Kelvin Cato, Sean Bakehead, Kelvin Pratt. Um, uh, and, and just, you know, thinking about those guys, you know, I wanted to be a part of something like that. And I fell in love with Iowa State. And once I became, you know, a high school basketball star, McDonald All-American, to me, it was a, it was a no-brainer, and so I didn't know, you know, I would say that I never had a McDonald's All-American. It wasn't, you know, influential to me then. Uh, completely appalled that we hadn't had one since with the program that we have um, going on there, you know, and hopefully we can change this soon. Mm. Iowa State has some really good players the last few years. Monty Morris and yeah. Niang were both really good players. Um, and you just spoke about uh, Tim Floyd. And after your freshman year, he left to go to the Chicago Bulls. But you were still successful under your new coach, Larry Eustacey, earning first oh, yeah. all Big 12 honors in your sophomore season while also leading the conference in scoring. Um, you were able to accomplish all of this and could have been an early NBA draft pick if you decided to leave. But you decided to come back for your junior season. Why did you decide to do this? I, I Honestly, I saw the National Championship trophy and fell in love with it. Um, I told uh, Coach Stacy and I told my teammates, you know, I want, I, I want to be there. I want to be a part of something that I've never been a part of before. And, you know, I focused on that. They went out and got, you know, which I felt was the best top guard, uh, point guard in the nation that year and Jamal Tinsley and with the guys that we had there, uh, Michael Nurse, Stevie Johnson, uh, Martine Ransom, Paul Shirley, to name a few, Contrell Horton. You know, we put together a team and we got in there, we practiced hard, we fought, 
Uh, we're a brotherhood. We're a team, and you know, we we went out there to you know do some things that had never been done, and uh, that was my focus. I wasn't I wasn't focusing on the NBA. I really wasn't considering to think about it at all. I was just thinking about you know being a college athlete, being a college kid, and uh, playing fun basketball. I, I've been on the record of saying you know college basketball was probably the last time that I actually had fun fun playing basketball because once you get to the pros, it's all the business and money comes and you got to do this and that and it's you just change the dynamic of it all uh but you know we just had a lot of fun and i really wanted to win the championship and i really felt we should have that year yeah that was definitely i think that was a really good decision on your part because you know in your junior season won the big 12 tournament and uh and season championship which is really hard to do kansas pretty much does right. that every year now so think of iowa state doing that it's pretty incredible and you also advanced to the Elite Eight in the NCAA tournament, earning the number two seed, and just lost to the eventual champion, Michigan State. Um, talk about the Correct. year for you and what you learned from that experience. Well, we're a little disappointed about the number two seed, but you normally know, we understand, you know, from where Iowa State is, is coming from, um, you know, we, we were honored to, to be where, where we were seated. Um, you know, the, the Michigan State game was, you know, a game that people considered should have been the, the national championship game. And we fought hard, you know, just came up a little short. But, you know, we learned a lot that year. Um, you know, most, most wins in school history, um, we not only won the Big 12 uh, conference, but we turned around and won the, the tournament as well, which is very, very rare to do. Um, it's, it's a hard Big 12 is really, really tough. But, you know, it, we, we just mentally just tunnel vision just locked in. You know, I can I can remember beating uh, Kansas at home the first time we beat them that year, and, you know, uh, Coach Williams was, was trying to congratulate me on winning the game, and I was just so locked in with, you know, the fans and with the team, I didn't even notice he was trying to speak to me. Um, and, you know, that's just the way we were. I mean, we weren't a, 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 a rowdy bunch. We, we knew Iowa State was always going to be the underdog no matter what. We had just won the you know, conference, and they didn't even consider us being, you know, one of the top teams to win, or one of the top teams to win the tournament. You know, even having the first round by going into the Big 12 tournament, and I was a player of the year uh, that year. You know, you can see these pictures and stuff of me where you know everybody's like, "Man, what were you thinking about? You looking so mad and so mean?" And I was really upset because I felt like we were being disrespected as a ball club, and uh, teams had to pay for it. And that's it's crazy that you all were just a number two seed because there's a really strong year in the conference. I know uh, Kansas is always really good. Um, right. I, I'm pretty sure that Texas was really good that year as well. Um, so yeah, and I think a lot of the Oklahoma State as well. Yeah, and there's a I think the tournament the bra- the seedings are always a little bit biased. Um, so, I mean, if Kansas had had the same accomplishments as you did, they probably would have been a number one seed. Yep. But since you all are Iowa State, you got the number two. Right. Um, but then after that, your junior season, you declared for the draft, being selected fourth overall by the Chicago Bulls. I'd say that was an awesome mm-hmm. experience for you. How did it feel like being selected by the Bulls in the NBA draft? 
Um, it was surreal. Uh, honestly, something I didn't expect with them taking their own brand the year before. Yeah. I was, you know, me and my agent and my, my team were, were told that we're either going three um, to the Clippers or five to the Orlando Magic. You know, there was really, really no thought at the at the time uh, of going to the Chicago Bulls. Um, thankful for Tim Floyd and, you know, everything that he done for me, but um, I think it, you know it, it kind of had kind of some ups and downs in my career starting off because there's so much that I had to deal with. I wasn't in a situation where you know things were a lot open for me. I, I couldn't you know flourish as, as well as I should have. You know because after being drafted behind Ellen Brand, who was Rookie of the Year, number one overall pick the year before. Then playing a, a year with him, learning some things. The next year they drafted, you know, Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. So now I'm back in the midst of a lot of stuff going on. And then they brought in the, the savvy veteran and Charles Oakley. And it was, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, to, to have to try to fight through. But I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from Antonio Davis, who I know was another power forward that he brought in. And, you know, it was, it was just a cluster of players there that, you know, I think had a, and, um, you know, negative effect on my career. But nevertheless, you know, blessed to be picked at that in that position right there. That's uh, quite the front uh, loaded front court. That's a lot of players you can yeah. go up against, there's, and there's not that many minutes. All, all the players you spoke of, all really good players, and you got to get every one minutes. Um, but you spoke about the Elton Brand situation. That's interesting because, you know, you said he was either three or five. Um, and a lot of people sus- suspected that you'd be traded to another team uh, after they selected yeah. you. What the what was the story behind that, and did that affect you in any way? Well, honestly, looking back on it now, I think that I should have, or my agent should have, um, you know, possibly, I, I didn't want to be the, the, the feather ruffler or anything like that or cause problems, anything like that, but when you look at the, the way things go in that prof- profession and it being careers, maybe we should have, you know, talked about it more or demanded it more and, you know, gotten to a different area. You know, for, for the best betterment of myself, Elton, Eddie, and Tyson and all of that, I just didn't want to be the, the feather ruffler of, you know, demanding the trade and, you know, all that. We we heard the rumbles about, you know, it was going to possibly happen every single year. And we geared up for it, prepared for it. For it. Uh, my trainer, uh, Tim Grover, at the time was you know preparing for it, was trying to make it happen, but it just never happened. But if if, if, if you ask me, should I you know have done it? When I look back on it now, without a doubt, I should have. I think that situation kind of reminds me of how the Lakers were this year. I'm a big time Laker fan, so uh, this whole situation this year with Anthony Davis has been really confusing. There's been, uh, I think, picture of the game when they played the Pacers. It was right after the reports had come out that they might have been traded, and you know, the, you can tell the morale of the team was down because it felt like every player was in the rumors to be traded, and I thought like that can really have an effect on players. And uh, so it, it, it definitely does. Yeah. And you got, like you said, you have to think of it like it's a business. I know it's it's hard to think of it that way, but uh, you just have to keep keep your head in that and continue to be working on your game every day. Um, and then you 
your rookie season. I know there was a lot of issues going on there, but you had a successful individual rookie season. The team didn't do very well, but you played really good, averaging a little under 10 points a game, and you earned all rookie second team honors. Uh, what did you learn in your rookie season, and how did in your how did it prepare you for your second year? I learned that the season was wrong. Uh, I, I learned that, you know, you're dealing with, you know, men now. You know, in college basketball, I, I was probably, if not the strongest, one of the strongest players in the nation my last year. But, you know, once you get to the pros and you see somebody like Charles Oakley and Antonio Davis curling 120-pound dumbbells, you're thinking, man, what the hell have I gotten myself into? You know, <laughs> so, so you're dealing with grown men. You're dealing with, you know, people that wildly veterans and have learned how to play this game, how to prepare. Um, to this day, I hate traveling. I hate, you know, living in and out of hotels and things like that because of, I've, I've done it so much, but I didn't understand how to do that in the beginning and so how to maximize your time, how to be professional, how to get the proper you know, nutrition in you. Um, have a good time and do the things that you should do, you know, live your life and everything like that, but you know, no one in my family had been a professional athlete or had gone to college to play sports or anything. So there's there's no real way to to go in knowing that. And me myself, I was drafted with so many uh, rookies, and and you know the guys that were on the team had own brand. Corey Benjamin, uh, Ron Artest at the time had been drafted the year before. They know this guy on the team at the time was Fred Hoiberg, and he was 26 and 27. So we were young. I like to say we were young and dumb and just running around doing whatever, um, trying to figure out our own identity, uh, you know, fighting and scratching for whatever we could, and, you know, just didn't have a real direction of uh, how to be professional and how to win ball games. And, you know, we learned a lot. And we lost a lot. Yeah. In your third year, which is typically, you know, when you think of the NBA, the year that players take the next step, um, but you suffered an ACL tear in January, ending your season early. Right. How did that affect you, and how difficult was that during the recovery process? Well, it was an, it, it affected me because ultimately I was out having a, a great year. Um, Speaking with my my uh, representatives, and you know, there were a few teams that were often, you know, a big deal at the end of that year, even though I was going to be a restricted free agent. But you know, so you're thinking about that, you're thinking about the security and everything for the future, and then that happened. Um, the recovery was, you know, strenuous, but uh, I credit Tim Grover 100% uh, for that. We got in there five, six days a week, like literally, sometimes seven days a week. And we pushed it, pushed it, pushed it, and I was, you know, back ready to play by tra- training camp. You know, and I think about it now, I see how now, you know, guys said ACL, clean ACL tear. You know, I, I think my ACL tear wasn't even a complete, it was partial. Uh, Dr. Andrews down in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, the doctor of the stars, he's the one who did the, you know, the surgery. He, he always feels better if, if it's affected in any way to just go ahead and correct it and, you know, get you back on the floor 100%. 
Uh, so, you know, I was back on the floor in literally six, seven months. Now, guys did ACL and missed a year and a half. You know, I don't know if it has to do with the dollars and endorsements and, you know, what it is. But, you know, nowadays you tell your ACL, and I know medicine and, you know, training and everything is better than it was 18, 19 years ago. And, you know, it's just a different dynamic. Uh, but it, it was strenuous. But Tim Rover, you know, he made sure that he did everything that I should have done. Um, train it hard. The harder you train it, the better you return it. That's what I try to do. And then you made all that work and all that progress. And then play the next season. And then right after that, you yep. uh, the expansion draft for Charlotte Bobcats. Um, but you were later released by the team. What was that like for you, uh, playing with the Bulls for four seasons and then going to a new atmosphere and then being released right after that? Well, well I, I didn't get released. I, I was selected in the uh, expansion draft and just didn't sign with the team. I signed with the Milwaukee Bucks that year. And, you know, but to, to be able to, I mean, to be with the Bulls for four years, not knowing what the next step was going to be, um, the ups and downs of, you know, it being so so crowded there. You know, me and my team were looking forward to possibly being a free agent and everything like that. The whole thing with the expansion draft, that was set up to, um, you know, with the Charlotte Bobcats to give them the opportunity to possibly get a player, this player, that player, whatever. But it, it was never it was never set for me to go to Charlotte. Um, I always knew I was going to be a, a free agent and I was going to be signing either with the Bucks or the Atlanta Hawks. Um, some of you've spoke about several times throughout your career. Um, you talked about your ministry. Uh, you said you've had family members who are in ministry. Uh, can you speak on that and how important is that to you? Yeah, my dad. My dad is my um, pastor. Been uh, a spiritual leader of my family for over 10, 12 years now. And just growing up in a, in a Christian household, um, you know, trying to lead us the best way. I, I know there's a lot of controversy with that, you know, with some people or whatever, but, you know, you're believing, your, your beliefs is what your beliefs are. You know, we don't try to, you know, harp down on anyone. I mean, you, God gave us, we feel like God gave us our own free will. Um, and you, you know, believe ultimately whatever it is, it is that you believe. If you want to learn, you want to learn. If you don't, you know, that's ultimately on you. But for me, myself personally, you know, that my upbringing is, is something that me and my brothers and a lot of my family regard as, you know, one of the things that allow us to, you know, grow and become, you know, respectable people in the community and the world. You know, not being in any kind of trouble. Um, you know, men of God and just trying to live life the best we can. And I, I feel the same way as you do. I'm a devout Christian, and I try and, when I was looking up some things to talk about with you, I saw uh, about your ministry, so I, I felt that I should talk about that. Uh-huh. And uh, I've had a guest on my show, Roger Harden, who is uh, one of the top assists, who has most assists in Kentucky basketball history. We always talk about, about that oh, okay. as well, so I really like talking about that. Um, you talked about earlier, before the before the show about something new you're doing. Can you tell us a little bit, a little bit about that? Uh, yes. Uh, me and my wife, we just purchased a uh, floor safety business. The name of our company is going to be called uh, Slip Guardians. Uh, you can go to slipguardians.com. It's just for 
you know, slip and fall from that too. You know, it's, I don't want, I don't know if you want to call it a, a market or a niche, but you know, the slip and fall industry is 10, 10 to $12 billion a year in terms of dealing with, you know, uh, injuries, slip and fall injuries, uh, broken bones, um, liability, uh, payout, settlement, stuff like that. And so, about two and a half, three years ago, my wife and I were looking at, you know, trying to find different franchises or business opportunities that we can buy uh, to, you know, generate another uh, revenue stream. Once you get older and retire, you, you know, try to get into some different things and not just sit down all day. And this is one that presented itself. And, uh, you know, we bought the business uh, about a month ago, two or three weeks ago, probably no, no longer than a month ago. And it just, you know, simple fall prevention where application that we put on the floor, uh, nursing homes, restaurants, uh, places like that, basketball courts, swimming pools, things like that, anywhere where where the, the surface is slippery uh, to prevent you know, people from getting injured. And uh, right now I'm actually uh, back home in Shreveport, Louisiana, um, and I just left the FedEx building, uh, pick up a shipment from the main company that's out in uh, Dallas, Texas, and they sent me some samples and stuff like that, and I have a meeting with my with the uh, uh, plant that's in my hometown, and you know, hopefully we can get the contract with them and help protect their businesses from you know the negligence of slip and fall accidents. You know, they companies have five, six hundred thousand dollars a year that they fan out people of slipping and falling, and you you have people who generally slip and fall, and you have people who you know see slip and fall signs and realize that that company understands that they have a problem and they're negligent they go over there slip and fall and you know get paid so we want to protect uh people from getting injured and companies from uh being liable for stuff like that well that's really interesting and i really hope that works out for you um well marcus i appreciate it thank you thank you again for coming on my show it has been a pleasure to talk with no you. problem thanks thanks as well you take care now okay. This has been my interview. Sorry about that Kentucky. <laughs> Sorry about that Kentucky law, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one hurt. Who do you think is going to win it? Um, Auburn looks good. Auburn looks really good. Yeah. I personally hope Texas Tech comes from the Big Twelve, but I have to admit, uh, you know, I reach out to Charles Charles Barkley and tell him man, Auburn looks really good. Yeah, they look good. It's seventeen threes a few games. I do. So I mean, I definitely don't want Michigan State to win it. Yeah, I am biased. <laughs> I don't want that, but hey. Yeah, a uh, little story real quick. I uh, went to the SC tournament about five years ago whenever uh, it was Bruce Pearl's first year, and they were the lowest uh-huh. seed in the tournament. And then they'd won, I think they won two games to advance to the semifinals and go against Kentucky. Um, and I just became a fan then. I was always rooting for Auburn, and it's really cool to see how Bruce Pearl's really turned that program around and get them to the Final Four. So yeah. I know Kentucky beat them, yeah. but it's an SEC team, and I'm hoping that they go as far as they can win and raise a national championship over Michigan State. So, All right. All right. so hey, let's get it done. Either Texas Tech or Auburn. Those are the two that we're going to be rooting for. Yeah, for sure. Uh, All right. This has been my interview with former Iowa State Cyclone and Chicago Bull Marcus Pfizer on the Ball Talk Pod. You can check out all of our shows on our website, balltalkpod.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all our social media outlets. Thank you.